Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Welcome to Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Karen Peter, and we're sharing a series of interviews with all the authors of the year-long series of Herald magazine articles exploring the guiding question, are we moving toward Jesus, the peaceful one? For those of you who are wondering what the Herald magazine is, it is the official Community of Christ magazine publication that comes out every two months. You can find the Herald magazine at heraldhouse.org under Our Faith. In today's episode, we're visiting with Dave Anderson and Robin Luffman. David Anderson is a distinguished graduate from the USAF Academy, that's United States Air Force for our out of the United States folks. He has a master's of international public policy, a master of arts in Christian ministry, and a doctorate in missional theology and spiritual formation. Additionally, he's on the Graceland University faculty and has served as a professor of aerospace studies at Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon. David has served as a full-time field minister with Community of Christ since 2006 as a field appointee, the director of human resources, and currently serves as president of the Quorum of High Priests. Previous to his church career, he retired as an Air Force colonel after serving 30 years. During his career, he served as an operational fighter pilot, diplomat, international affairs officer, strategic planner for global issues, and operations policy advisor to the U.S. ambassador at NATO. Dave, most importantly, is also Robin's father. So welcome, Dave. Thank you. It's good to be here with you. Robin Luffman, after following her father all over the world, received her bachelor's in nursing with a minor in religion at Graceland University and a master's in nursing family nurse practitioner at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Robin has spent most of her career overseas, where she has served as a medical officer and in international relations in Azerbaijan, Bolivia, Mali, Croatia, and China. She currently serves in Nairobi, Kenya, with her husband and three children. Hey, Robin. Hello. Nice to be with you guys tonight. It's wonderful to have you here as well. So the first question I want to ask both of you, and just feel free to jump in, is how was your project of writing an article together? How'd that go? It actually worked um, really well. We worked really well together. Um, because we share many of the same religious and spiritual beliefs, our work just sort of came together. I began with the story of Deborah because it so strongly represented both of our beliefs and what it means to live by um, Christian principles. And my father, David, was able to easily phrase it in a more scriptural context. Well, from my perspective, I was a wonderful experience. I'm a very proud papa and, and uh, grandpa, and it uh, was a real pleasure to do this project with, with Robin. She's always been uh, highly motivated, well-engaged, and uh, well-spoken, and it was truly a pleasure just to share this experience with her. Well, it's a delight to have you both here. So the article we are referring is the article in the Toward the Peaceful One series titled Worth of All Persons. So if you would, 
in a sentence or two, identify what that means to you when we say worth of all persons in this faith community, not the technical, official community of Christ spiel, but what does that mean to you? Dave, we'll start with you. Sure. Uh, When I hear the word or phrase worth of all persons, I think immediately of beloved children of God. We are all loved by a wonderful, grace-filled, generous, loving God that loves each of us immensely, and that God wants us all to flourish. God wants the wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. Thank you, Dave. Robin? So I would say worth of all persons is synonymous with we are all of God's beautiful children. I know I'm going a bit outside a sentence or two, but you know, this summer we uh, had a family project with my husband and children where we made a family sign, sort of a guiding principle for our family to hang on our front door. And the main declaration was we are all God's beautiful children. And below that, we listed basic human rights we believed we must protect so that all could have equal worth. That sounds like a marvelous project to do um, as a family. I hope uh, parents and grandparents picked up on that idea. So Robin, you began, as you said, uh, in your part of the article with the story of Deborah. And we do want our readers to read the article. It's in the January, February edition of the Herald this year. But please uh, tell us a little bit about Deborah and why you opened the article with her story. Sometimes we see an individual, but we don't understand the bigger kind of systemic issues going on. So tell us about Deborah. Well, to begin why I started with her story is I thought it was a good illustration of how addressing the wholeness of body, mind, spirit, and relationships shows the oppressed that they have worth, that there is a worth of all persons. Uh, Deborah, even with institutional challenges that faced her, really felt she did everything she could to break the cycle of her youth and the challenge that those barriers, the barriers that she faced. Our research team really wanted to include Deborah because as a victim of an unjust system, we hope to find ways to increase her self-esteem um, in order to challenge the system that oppressed her and other vulnerable people. I included her story not because it shaped my career in working with vulnerable populations and and with people in crisis, but also because I think when we talk about the worth of persons of as a faith community, we're talking about Deborah. As a faith-based community, we're called on to challenge these unjust, oppressive structural and social systems that diminish the human worth, like what was happening in her to her in the story. So how do we learn to not just see the systems, but identify and begin to dismantle unjust systems that diminish human worth? Dave? Well, uh, from my perspective, uh, one of the ways that we broaden our perspective is we need to be curious. We need to be engaged in the world around us, ask questions, be skeptical to things that are going on, uh, to do our research, to have uh, take, make a, and help offer educational opportunities with other cultures and other perspectives, be open to differing ideas, have a breadth of experience. Uh, we need to, above all, really listen closely to those around us. 
And for me, those qualities of curiosity, uh, learning to listen, uh, being able to be open to differing ideas are really helpful to engage in our world with all of its complexities and problems. So um, I just want to stay with that for a minute and maybe go off track just a little tiny bit, but I'd like to hear from both of you. In our current climate around the world, not just in the United States where it hits the newspapers on a regular basis, but around the world, there seems to be this unwillingness to broaden our perspective, to only look at sources that confirm what we already believe or what we already know. Um, Even within the church, we see some of that. So what can we look to to help us as a community be willing to broaden our perspectives? You know, I, I would say it's welcoming diversity And this is diversity of thought. This is diversity of culture. And in that, it strengthens us, enriches us. And so we have a fuller perspective of the economic and social influences that suppress others. So I do think it goes hand in hand. What my dad, David, was saying was it's curious. It's being hospitable. It's being educated. And it's a diversity of different viewpoints I think that helps us dismantle these systems. And I I would uh, concur what Robin was saying. And I think what's really important is to acknowledge the importance of community, to listen to one another's perspectives, uh, to welcome these differing opinions, because only as a community can we uh, withstand uh, and be able to, in some ways, repel the misinformation, the disinformation that's kind of ricocheting throughout our cultures and throughout the internet. So really to be able to to talk together in a community setting, to listen deeply, I think is really paramount. And it's, it's also about being an active, informed citizen. Thank you. With that, with all of that in mind, let's talk a little bit about what's discussed in the article. Um, I'm going to term it as othering. When we we turn people who we do not want to know, we turn them into others. We dehumanize in that way. And I I think what I've gathered is that this is fear based when we when we participate in othering. So what can we learn from the life and ministry in Jesus about othering, especially um, if we think about what it means if it's fear-based and how we overcome that? Well, I think when we talk about the ministry of Jesus and othering, we need to always recognize that central to Jesus' teaching, Jesus' preaching, and his ministry was the reign of God. That was central to what God was saying. And the reign of God is, is God's love in action. So the reign of God is moving throughout our world because God's love is there and God is working. And so as this, as we engage in this idea of worth of all persons and this kind of othering and this fear-based aspect, we need to recognize that love trumps and is above all of that. And fundamentally, this God's love in action is a flourishing of life for everyone. And so it's particularly flourishing, uh, concentrating on the flourishing of life for everyone, for those who are left out, marginalized, uh, dispossessed, uh, demeaned, in other words, 
it's about the other. So Jesus was constantly inviting and associating with the others in his life, in their culture, in his culture, inviting them to his fellowship and ministry. So he was about radical love to and for the other. And therefore, we must do the same. We must uh, repel this fear mongering and welcome all of the others into ministry and be willing to learn and to experience them also in our lives. Yeah, and I think I'd also like to go back to the principle I, me- I mentioned before when my family and I made that kind of family sign, you know, all are God's beautiful children and we all have worth and it's otherness that blesses us. And, and it's hard to fear that, that you love and embrace. My dad used to say, and I'm not sure where, where he had heard it, but he used to say that the traditional thinking is that you do good things for those you love. But Jesus challenges us to love those we do good things for. So in his mind, the doing of good things brings about the love. Yeah. And I I think it's also kind of natural for us to be resistant to things we don't understand or that we just naturally um, are unaccustomed to. So it's it's a natural response. We just need to recognize it and then learn from it and recognize that from this otherness comes a blessing to us because we are able to learn and to experience other ways. So it's a natural response to repel something we fear, but we need to learn to overcome it. And through community and through engagement, through curiosity, through helping one another, can we become blessed by a relationship with the other? So I think our natural inclination is to think that the opposite of othering someone is to accept them or include them, but you actually go further in the article and suggest that the opposite or the antidote to um, othering is hospitality, which is a word I think is, is unexpected in that paragraph, at least it was for me. So say a bit more about that. Well, so hospitality goes a step further than just accepting. Um, not only does it show generosity and kindness, but it opens you up to being changed and enriched by the gifts that they are bringing. It sends a very clear message that all are loved and that all are God's beautiful children. For me, hospitality is, is really key, obviously, but it's an attitude, it's a practice, and it's a way of life. Hospitality creates a, a matter of openness and a spirit of welcome and really a fundamental desire to be changed by those around us. So with hospitality comes uh, a new relationship, uh, what some would call a reciprocal mutual sharing between people. Uh, So what we do when we're hospitable, we receive from the other, we give to the other, and that we're all transformed. One of my favorite theologians is uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, And he calls hospitality a reciprocal arrangement where there's an openness and a mutual engagement. It stimulates not only the health of the individuals, but the health of the community. And he argues that listening to one another is really one of the primary practices of mutual hospitality. So you go on in the article to call us to uh, a period of confession or to simply admit our complicity in the mistreatment 
of others. Um, that's hard for people to hear sometimes. So why is that important? Why can't we just work harder to be hospitable or work harder to include or work harder on behalf of justice? Why the confession? Well, you asked a good question. And, um, you know, it's one that's, uh, you know, like a lot of things in our world, it's complex, it's complicated, and it's difficult. But I think uh, we all need to recognize that if we're not careful, we can be part of the problem. And it happens through inaction or just plain downright ignorance. So we talked at the beginning of the podcast about the importance of being informed and being curious. We just need to acknowledge that in our human conditions, uh, we too contribute to uh, the problem. So, you know, it's through our implicit or unconscious bias that we can really uh, negatively impact others. So this leads to injustice and really inhibits our ability to pursue and peace and to act justly. And so when we talk about all of these issues, I think for me, humility is key. We just need to confess that we're in complicit in this, that we're human, we make mistakes. And through this humility comes the, the drive, the action, the curiosity that in order to do and work on behalf of justice, we need just to be humble and to accept the possibilities that we're contributing and then learn from that and then engage on behalf of justice in our world. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, the first step in this journey is admitting your own biases. You know, we can't work towards something until we identify our own bias and what can negatively impact others. You know, it can be as simple as saying we can't really get to a solution until we recognize the problem within us. Okay. Now, this has given a great uh, deal of food for thought for uh, us, for our listeners. I include myself in that group of individuals as we move forward to really uh, to really look closely at are we moving towards Jesus, the peaceful one. You close your article by reminding us again of Deborah, where we started, and her sense of hopelessness. And you issue a call to prophetically challenge those influences that mistreat. So what does that look like for individuals who are seeking to follow Jesus? So maybe it's a where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. What does that really look like for us? Well, as a faith-based community, um, we absolutely want to address those individuals that are suffering. You know, followers can do that in many ways. You know, don't have to have a laundry list of specifics, but starting with admitting our own biases so we can find those ways to challenge oppressive structural and social systems. But, you know, in the end, we all have to find our own path. You know, my way, such as what I did in my research, may not necessarily be right for someone else. And I would encourage everyone to find their own path to challenge uh, the influences that mistreat. I don't know if I can say any better than Robin. It, it was a, a brilliant, a brilliant uh, reply. Um, for me, it's, it's a matter of just living out on a daily basis, uh, getting up every morning, uh, being informed, being curious, being humble, and then in our own lives to discern God's desire in our lives and on how we can 
impact others. It's a matter of deep listening uh, throughout the day and just making the world a better place one person at a time so that all can flourish. As Robin mentioned, every one of our lives, uh, circumstances are different. However, we're all called to share a Christ-like love to all we meet. Might be somebody uh, at the checkout stand. It might be uh, someone crossing the street. It might be uh, speaking up at someone uh, in a culture uh, dealing with uh, issues of uh, injustice. It might be uh, protesting. There are lots of things that we can do on a daily basis that allows us to show Christ-like love. And then we need just to learn to challenge each and every one of us, all of our colleagues, all that we work with, that we can work together in a collective sense in a community to help those who are discarded and mistreated. So as we bring our conversation to a close, I want to, again, thank you for sharing with us so articulately, I think that's a word, on this topic of what it means to move towards Jesus, the peaceful one, especially through the lens of worth of all persons, which we we identify in community of Christ as a primary enduring principle for how we understand it all. I want to ask each of you, do you have any closing comments before we sign off? Any last things you'd like to share with us? Robin, we'll start with you. Yeah. First, I'd like to thank um, for thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today. And I, I just also wanted to say that I think we're all aware there's suffering in this world. You don't have to look too hard to see it. Our community uh, is called to model the worth of all persons and reflect God's love. And by starting with examining ourselves and confessing our own distortions, we can embrace all and support a uh, flourishing world. Well, I think we've talked uh, about uh, important uh, things here, and uh, Robin uh, said it very well. So at this point, I don't have anything more to add other than the importance of just uh, humility, a desire for uh, deep listening, a desire for uh, following Christ-like love in our world and making it a better place. But I would like to just close my comments with a prayer, a word of prayer that helps us engage in the worth of all persons as we move towards Jesus, the peaceful one. It's a wonderful prayer taken from a book called Prayers for the New Social Awakening, inspired by the new social creed. Its editors are Christian Loso and Elizabeth Insano Hasty, and I've lightly adapted it and put it in a plural tense. If you would just let me indulge in our prayer. Lord, Please guide our feet that we may walk in the light of peace. Guide our hands that we may stretch them out to those in need. Guide our arms that we may embrace your broken children and those that we do not know. Guide our eyes that we may see the things that unite us with all the people of the world. Guide our ears that we may hear the weeping of the world. Guide our tongue that we may speak only kindness, never destruction. Guide our dreams that we may see the hope of the future through the despair of the night. 
guide our thoughts, that we may learn how to create positive change. Lord, above all, please guide our hearts that we may love all the children of the world, seek justice for the oppressed, and live humbly under your hope. In the name of your grace, amen. Thank you, Dave. For our listeners, you can read the Toward the Peaceful One series of articles on the Community of Christ website, seeofchrist.org. In addition, theologian and former Dean of Community of Christ Seminary, Matt Frizzell, discusses each Toward the Peaceful One article in a multi-part series on the Community of Christ YouTube channels. And with that, David Anderson and Robin Luffman, thank you for being with us for our series of episodes on Towards Jesus, the Peaceful One here at Project Zion Podcast. I'm Karen Peter. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast. Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use, and while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 